This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawl, crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I had to dust off my driver's seat. No, I, I'll, I'll never go back. Uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. Yeah. I'm too old. I mean, there's a lot. Of, there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horseman to the inside. He's got Max Dambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horseman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire. Uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Tom. And this is Tracy Henley. This is your 2020 Great Lakes Traditional Sprint Champion, Michael Adjet. This is Tyler Roark. This is David Melke. This is Travis Stemler. Bobby Santos. Tom Beery. Bill Muskrat, Travis Brady. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Glad to have you with us for the final Monday in October. When we talk again, it'll be November. I can't believe it. Craziness. We got a whole lot to cover tonight. Before we get into all of it, let's take a look at some things that are happening in a Motor City Minute. Even though Joseph Newgarden won Sunday's uh, uh, the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg, Scott Dixon managed to go on to claim his sixth NTT IndyCar Series Championship in what was a wild event that included the pace car running out of fuel. Oh, I'm sure we're going to talk about that coming up. Dirt late model veteran Jackie Boggs died Saturday at the age of 50. The announcement was confirmed by the World of Outlaws Morton Building's late model series he had just competed earlier this month. Lewis Hamilton made history over the weekend in the FIA Formula One World Championship after he picked up his 92nd career win with the triumph. Hamilton surpasses Michael Schumacher on the all-time all wins list. Pretty good company to join there. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me. Good evening, Rich. How are you? How you doing, my man? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, and uh, glad to have you with us on this beautiful Monday evening. Um, tell you what, it's been a it's been a fun weekend as everything kind of builds up to the All American 400 weekend on the pavement side of things. Obviously, nationally, there's a lot of headlines to go over. Um, but uh, talk to me, Rich. What's going on? We we know there was a race down at Five Flag Speedway that got postponed to yesterday. And if you saw any of the highlights, you know that yesterday was a very aggressive day on the racetrack. Yeah, they sure did, Zach. And, um, you know, since they collided at CRA Speed Fest or got together, how there's many uh, opinions on what happened back in January. All eyes have been glued to the rivalry between super late model stars Bubba Pollard and Stephen Nassie. On Sunday afternoon at Five Flag Speedway, the two heavyweights found themselves going toe-to-toe -to -toe in the Blizzard Series finale. Uh, at the end of the entertaining battle, both drivers were celebrating triumphs, though at the Florida uh, track. Nassie prevailed over Pollard to score the victory, while Pollard claimed his fourth career Blizzard Series championship. Throughout the second half of the 150-lap super late model race, Pollard and Nassie swapped the lead a handful of times while battling side-by-side -side around the half-mile oval. On the final restart with 23 laps to go, Nassie took over the lead for good while Pollard faded to finish fifth. I had a lot, lot of fun racing him, Nassie stated. 
It was one of our cleaner races, and I was really surprised. He's a heck of a wheel man, but we edged him out today. And Zach Pollard's take on it, that's how you're supposed to race, right there. You don't have to beat and bang to make it happen. You rub on each other, and that's going to happen, but you don't take each other out. Well, not anymore. Maybe, closed Pollard. And Zach, uh, there's no break for these two. As coming up this weekend, they'll go at it once again, although Pollard is not officially on the entry list that's posted uh, on the CRA website. We do expect him to change that, and that is at the All-American 400 at the Nashville Fairground Speedway. I got to ask you about this, Rich. Let's let's park it right here for just a second, because this was an interesting uh, note that was brought up, I believe, at the Winchester 400. Can you even consider Stephen Nassi, Bubba Pollard, a rivalry anymore? Um, because nothing has happened really between these two drivers since January. You, you know they haven't they haven't shown up at a lot of the same places. To be honest with you, I think that's what's maybe slowed the rivalry down. Because we, when we were down there at Speedfest in January, you know, at Cordial, boy, they they kicked the season off strong, and we thought that was going to last all summer long. Um, you know, then COVID showed up and that kind of slowed a lot of things down. But uh, no, I think they are. I mean, they're two of the best in the country at what they do. Uh, Stephen Nassi still not feeling good about that snowball derby, uh, whatever the fiasco was huh. back in December that he, he feels he should have won. Right. Well, and, uh, you know, he had a heck of an performance at, at Winchester uh, before whatever mechanical difficulties he had to to cause him to run out of fuel because he sure was leading that race. So, um, yeah, we'll see. I, you'd love to get them both up to par, uh, at a race we're at, but it seems to happen a lot more down at five flags. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see. And, and again, uh, Rich, as you mentioned, Bobble Pollard, not on either the pro or the super late model entry list right now, maybe just waiting to get past five flags to make sure there was not going to be any issues there before getting on the entry list. Now, for racing up here in the state of Michigan, it has virtually come to an end after Mother Nature decided not to cooperate last Friday and Saturday night. Winston Speedway was forced to call off the player-hater Wild West shootout for the final time. What was that, third or fourth attempt that they had made to get that event in? Uh, likewise, the M40 Presents Galesburg Speedway, that whole thing came to a close after near-freezing temperatures were forecasted for Friday night following a day-long rainstorm. However, Rich, if you're interested in maybe going back in time, one night does still remain near the Michigan-Iliana border as Montville Speedway, just outside of Sturgis, Michigan, is slated to wrap up their season this Saturday night. Gates open at 5 with racing at 6 o'clock, and of course, Merle is known for trying to start as early as possible and going for as long as possible so he's going to wrap it up this weekend well i think both of us are going to have to pass on that one zach because i believe we're both going to be in the same place oh uh, yeah down in nashville this weekend that's already on the cards yeah we'll but, uh, uh we'll be hitting the big track coming up uh, for the all-american 400 so looking forward to that and uh, rich you're going to be on the coverage duties for horsepower happening so uh, we'll have some some up to the minute updates on what's going on down there over the weekend yeah, we should, pro you know, by the time we get out of there, we should have some uh, quality content and interview for Monday in, and we'll follow horsepower happenings throughout the weekend. We'll post updates uh, throughout the weekend on what's going on down there if you can't be there. Um, so we'll have a lot of content for you for the whole weekend, and then on Monday we'll cap it all off on horsepower happenings. But, Zach, um, I think I made uh, my decision yesterday that it was going to be the last race up north here for me that, that I know of. 
at least for the near future. Uh, I went down to a, a racetrack I haven't been to in 25 years, uh, Lorraine Raceway Park that used to be known as Lorraine County Speedway uh, in South Amherst, Ohio. Not a far drive from Metro Detroit, about an hour and 45 minutes, so it wasn't bad. Um, yesterday, the headliners for the day of the Halloween Festival of Speed Cavalcade were the Outlaw Late Models and the Modifieds. The Outlaws kicked things off with a 50-lap, $1,500 to win feature event. And there wasn't a whole lot of doubt in this one as Brandon Short drove through the field and away from the field to pick up the win. His competition was expected to be Birch Run's Dan Leak, who was the fast qualifier for the weekend. But hard contact in a backstretch wall at lap 31 would end Leak's day. Uh, and on a side note, Zach, Short was not in his familiar number 18 machine, but the number 14 machine typically piloted by Steve Needles. And I tracked down Brandon to talk to him about the win and about jumping in the 14 machine for the weekend. We'll start at the beginning, man. Congratulations. Uh, you had to start at the tail, so you had to be a little bit patient at the beginning. Yeah, patience is what wins these races. I mean, we had some good cars here, and uh, unfortunately, I thought we would have more cars, but, you know, I guess just no one was, didn't want to come out because of the weather or the payout or whatever. But, I mean, it was fun. I know uh, we had, you know, Daniel, I think Daniel, the 74 car, he started next to me. Um, you know, he's pretty fast. Just I was able to Jimmy Carter respond for me. I was able to get to clear on the inside and just, you know, get around some slow cars on the bottom. And after that, I mean, we set sail towards the lead. Yeah, I think what uh, if you weren't here, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have noticed till you got here. A little different race car for you this weekend. Uh, Steve Needle said, "Hey, why don't you ride drive my hot rod?" And boy, it, it kind of paid off. Man, I'll tell you, what, we have some tough luck, man. I mean, I was, at Glass City, broke motor at Midvale, I broke motor, so I have no motors right now. And Steve put up the offer to, uh, you know, drive drive his car. And man, I tell you what, I love this thing. I don't even want to give it back to him. So um, yeah, this thing was just great. I mean, I. It was awesome. I, can't, I have nothing to complain about at all. Not bad, though. Last two times out for this machine, victory lane in both of them, so not too bad. Yeah, I mean, you got to give all the credit to Steve and Doug Needles. I mean, they're the ones with, you know, that, that really work on, you know, especially this 14 car. And, man, they just have this thing great. And, you know, I, I, I'm grateful for your opportunity to drive it with Steve's name on it. All right, tell me, tell me all who, who helps you out because I'm pro probably thinking this is probably the last time for 2020 we're gonna we're gonna see any of these cars out. Yeah, no, thanks to Steve and Doug Needles and my dad Brian and you know Hutter Racing Engines, Ernest Performance, uh, Amstel Companies, Quick Car, Big Nell Race Press. I mean, there's so many people on this car to make this happen, and you know I had a great time. Brandon, congratulations, great job. Thank you. Then it was time for the Modifieds to hit the track for the Terry Cipher Memorial 87 and. And Zach, you would think 87 laps is a lot for Modifieds. Well, it proved to be with many cautions throughout the event. But uh, one driver who may who it may have helped was Towis, Michigan, Stephen Ullman. Stephen qualified 18th out of 46 cars, and the field was, was reduced to 28 through a last chance qualifier. But due to a full field invert for the 18 cars that locked in through qualifying, Ullman would start from the pole. And uh, Allman would take full advantage of his pole position, leading all 87 laps and picking up a very nice $5,000 payday. Zach, I caught up with Stephen to talk to him about his run. Stephen Allman, man, you said before the race, we heard you, you called it. I want to leave all 87 laps. And uh, it's one thing saying it, but you did it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like starting on the pole, but we made her work. And 87 laps is a long time to lead the race, but... We got her done, so it's all that matters. You look through this field, 28 cars in this field, 
and there's a lot of heavy hitters behind you. You got to be thinking at some point, where are they? <laughs> yeah, towards the end there, my tires were going away, and I could feel them coming. They were bumping me, bumping me, and the seven car kind of got under me and messed up his right front, so that actually helped me, but all in all, kept her together. How hard is it to be patient through 87 laps with all the caution flags, a long red flag? You probably were in the car 125 laps, if not more, probably. Um, a lot of things can get in your head in that time. Yeah, I was starting to get in my head at the end there, but I could, I just had to pull myself together and keep going. So, Who all helps you out with this car? Uh, my dad, Ed, Ed Mockenthaler, uh, my wife, and all my sponsors, and just me and my dad here, so we made it happen. Nice way to end 2020 right here at Lorraine Wesley Park with a big $5,000 check. Yeah, it is real nice. 2020's been a crazy one, but it's nice. Congratulations, man. Thank you. So, Zach, when I found out there was another race left on our region, I just couldn't stay home. So it was actually a very nice afternoon for racing in the end. Yeah, talk to me about that place, Rich. I've never been uh, down to uh, that part of the country to uh, watch a race at Lorraine. I've heard about Lorraine, but I've never been there. Yeah, it's about uh, about 35, 40 minutes uh, just past Sandusky. So uh, not far from Sandusky Speedway. Uh, Three-eighths mile uh, banked. Bank little bull ring. Uh, nice, nice little track. They had, I think, 140 cars this weekend oh, nice. for their for their cavalcade. Um, so, but it's been it's changed since I was last there. They now have walls where there weren't walls before. <laughs> uh, Dan Dan Lee can attest to that, unfortunately. Uh, but I had a good time. Everybody there was pleasant. Uh, ran into some friends, some old friends, and uh, and it was nice to get out get down there. It was really was a. Uh, I didn't have a hoodie and a jacket and everything all bundled up it was actually a nice afternoon the sun came out very good so it was a nice afternoon for racing down there at lorraine well i tell you what they put on a great show down at kokomo speedway as they played host to the nos energy drink world of outlaw sprint car series saturday night capping off the 2020 season for kokomo with one of the greatest races of the year in his 300th career start sheldon hodgenshield held off charges from 10-time series champion donnie Schatz and current points leader logan shuhart the Kokomo non-wing cars were also in action, and Sunshine, Tyler Courtney, parked his NOS Energy Drink number 7 in Victory Lane. Now the World of Outlaws Morton Building's late models were scheduled to be on the card for Friday night. However, um, as we talked about earlier in the show, Mother Nature did not play very well with our region Friday night, so that portion of the show was canceled. Now next up for the World of Outlaws, it's kind of a bittersweet thing to talk about, but it's the last call from the dirt track at Charlotte coming up November 6th and 7th as they wrap up the uh, 2020 season and that's coming up in just not this coming weekend obviously but one weekend following that they'll wrap it up at the dirt track at charlotte and zach uh this is not a a happy story just because i know we were talking about going to this event and going to check it out um just because we had heard so much about it but this year 2020 was to mark the fifth anniversary of one of the greatest spectacles in dirt track racing and one of the industry's largest attended events the arizona sports shirts gateway dirt nationals presented by o'reilly auto parts at the dome at america center in st louis however uh, continued covid 19 restrictions and guidelines have forced the event's postponement now set to take place in december of 2021 uh, event management and dome officials have been working diligently to try and develop a plan that st louis area health officials would be in approval of and ultimately allow for the event to take place as originally scheduled. However, 
after multiple different scenarios and proposals, it became inevitable that the uh, event will not be able to take place. Since COVID-19 struck as a global pandemic, Zach, St. Louis has had strict parameters on any events indoors and or outdoors. Although uh, Missouri as a state has been relatively open for some time, St. Louis has not seen a public ticketed event with more than 1,000 people take place whatsoever. So Zach, the fifth annual Arizona Sports Shirts Gateway Dirt Nationals presented by Auto Parts, O'Reilly Auto Parts will now take place next year, December 2nd through the 4th, 2021. Do you think that means that we get to have maybe, uh, what about what about the Gateway Dirt Nationals for 2021? Is that, you know what I'm asking here? Like Eldora earlier this year eluded that there would be two uh, dreams and there would be two Kings Royals next year to make up for what they lost this year. Do you think we get two Gateway Dirt Nationals next year? No, I think next year is the fifth annual, okay. and, and that's the way they have it set up. They're just going to skip a year uh, and Chalk not it cancel up. it, just postpone it. If they canceled it, next year would be the sixth annual, so they are postponing it, and the fifth annual will be will be next year. So we can put that on the cards, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I, I want to mention this, too. While we're talking about indoor racing, uh, we should not overlook the fact that the Rumble in Fort Wayne made a post this week that they are still planning to run the Fort Wayne Rumble. A press release was put out from uh, the Rumble in Fort Wayne Facebook page that basically says, during this unprecedented era, uh, they say, quote, we realize that event details can change on a daily basis and are dependent upon local health numbers. We will continue to monitor the situation and announce any updates to this information as they are passed along. Thanks for your support and understanding during this difficult time. So um, basically what we're looking at here, uh, officials for the indoor open wheel classic have been given a green flag as they said from the allegan county department of health to proceed with scheduling the december 18th and 19th event however uh the quote-unquote caution flag remains displayed as the rumble team resolves how to best satisfy the required covid 19 parameters and cdc guidelines so uh basically they're hoping to have more information ready to release by november 1st so Take with that information what you will, Rich. It, it sounds like they're going to try really hard to get this event in in 2020, but sounds like you may have to be on the waiting list to get in. Yeah, you know, Zach, and I, I went there last year and been there a couple of times. And, you know, in, in their defense, I mean, this is going to be a tough decision of how they're going to do this. I'm sure some of it has to do uh, with getting clean air into that building and circulating because, it's always been a problem. They've had to take breaks uh, from races just to clear out the building. That is not a, that is not a good thing uh, in a pandemic to have a virus floating around in a well, building that you cannot ventilate. You know what somebody asked me? They said, well, with all those fumes from the, uh, from the emissions of the engine, there's no way that COVID could survive in that building. So maybe they just need to take out some ventilation, Rich France, and, and yeah. roll the dice. <laughs> I've been in there when there was no ventilation, and it it, it kind of it kind of makes you sick to your stomach a little bit. So we'll see. Hopefully, they get it all worked out. It, it would be really nice. Uh, probably going to be limited on how many people they can put in the building for sure. You would think, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll have to wait till they get us more information. It's not that far around the corner. Let's talk about the All American 400, Rich. We previewed it earlier in the show that you and I are going to be down there. We'll have coverage on the Horsepower Happenings page, and there are some really 
uh, talented drivers that are signed up for the All-American 400 coming up October 30th through November 1st. That's this coming weekend, including, Rich, some drivers from right here in Michigan, including Carson Hosevar, who's looking for uh, to add another crown jewel to the cap. Um, Rich, th- this event is just going to be so much fun. As of today, 34 super late models entered, and we've got drivers across multiple, multiple states that are scheduled to be in, a, in, in this event. And, and this event is going to be one unlike any other with three days of racing. Um, I'm looking forward to it, Rich, and, and tickets are still available. I know you're looking forward to it as well. I, I really am. And, um, you know, I'm hoping, like, you know, like we talked a little bit earlier, I'm hoping, uh, you know, Bubba Pollard gets his name on that list. He, you know, we saw we saw him down there for the Master of the Pros, uh, 150 back in July didn't have the run he wanted, did not have the run that he wanted at the Winchester 400, uh, was having handling issues with that, with that car, but it it seems like he worked it out, uh, down at five flags this past weekend. So hopefully we see, uh, we Bubba show up, uh, Steven Nassi, he's been fast everywhere he goes. He just has to get to the end. Uh, so we'll have to see. And, and Carson Hosovar, like you said, Gosh, how many crown jewels can you win in one season? <laughs> um, he is just on a roll. Depends on who uh, you ask. Yeah, and he's going to be bu- he's going to have a busy weekend. He's going to be in the truck on Friday night yep. at Martinsville, from what I understand, and then he's going to come over to Nashville and run the next two days. So, uh, run, run in the in the four hundred. So we'll see uh, see how he does. And then d- you talked about uh, you know an, everybody from Michigan, Chase Berta, the uh, Jake Sherry All Stars Tour Rookie of the Year for twenty twenty. He's going to go down there. Uh, and run in the Jake CRA All-Star Troop Pro Late Model event. So uh, we'll have some guys down there to talk to and kind of kind of root for, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and by the way, I want to go back. You mentioned Bubba Pollard. Uh, he's a winner of this event back in, I believe, 2016 is when he picked up the All-American 400 win. And, uh, you know, looking at this list, some pretty impressive names on there, including, but not limited to, uh, some of the drivers that we've seen do very well. Uh, you talked about the Masters of the Pros. Matt Craig is scheduled to be down there. Sammy Smith. Uh, also scheduled to be there in that 51 machine. You mentioned uh, Stephen Nassi. Um, and then, of course, here's a name that, that that kind of caught my interest. You remember Quapple in the NASCAR Cup Series? Well, there's another one coming out of Mooresville, North Carolina. Carson Quapple is getting sent to make his run at the All-American 400 coming up on Sunday. So again, 34 cars entered as of this afternoon, and that entry list is expected to just keep on growing. So it's going to be a lot of fun. All-American 400 October 30th through November 1st, and we'll have some coverage for you right here on the Horsepower Happenings social media. Well, Rich, as we move on in the program, we released a story last week where we talked about a new late model class coming to the state of Michigan and people had some opinions, Rich, including uh, the guy that we're happy to bring on the phone right now. Rich, let us know who we're talking to. Well, Zach, uh, I got to see a lot of this gentleman in 2020 uh, quite a bit, uh, seeing my racetracks were closed. Uh, he pilots his own 11X dirt late model and all over the state of Michigan, everywhere it was open, that's where he went. Makes his home in Midland, Michigan. Ryan Lamphere, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Good to be here, guys. A couple things uh, we'll get into, you know, off season so far, just getting going. Now the 2020s in the books kind of ha- handicap how your season went. Um, we uh, we raced a lot. We raced, uh, 35 times, um, so that's quite a bit for a smaller, underfunded team. Um, 
mainly stuck to the Tri-City Merritt. Uh, when Merritt, I think, was off a couple times, went over to, uh, I think, Crystal twice and even ventured over to Thunderbird and uh, Winston um, when we could get over there. That's a longer haul for us, and with work and all that, it's hard to get out and get over there. And, but I still like to get out and go over there and make an appearance. Always have fun over there. Uh, I mean, we didn't blow the roof off anywhere this year, but, I mean, we finished, I think it was, either 11th or 12th in the uh, all-star performance there, the new series Mike started. Uh, as you guys know, there's a lot of a lot of heavy hitters in that. So, I mean, to finish in the top 10 or even close to the top 10 is pretty good with those guys. Uh, I believe I was 10th in Tri-City points. Um, so if you look at any of the names above that, they're all top-notch guys. Um, so it's good to be close. I mean, it's not where you want to be, but especially with the equipment that we're running. We don't have the top of the line and all that, but we got what we got, so we try to make the best of it. Um, didn't get no wins or any of that, so that's the first year, and I think the last four years that I haven't at least had one. Um, so you'd like to have more, but other than that, it got better at the end, starting to get the car figured out. Got that car, and a lot was not quite right with it. And so I was starting to get that figured out, uh, we got some different plans for 2021 uh, as far as car and all that, but hopefully that goes out better for us. And uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad year, but it, it could have been better. Now I was at, uh, I was at Kokomo and I know you didn't want to be in that B trying to get in that show uh, basically because even, I mean, I saw there, there was no passing in the heat races, um, right. but the car looked good. Uh, you pulled off the win in the B and then you had a very nice run in the feature. Yeah, the uh, the B main win was kind of a was kind of a redemption from last year because I was leading that one, and uh, my own doing. I don't know. I took the shocks off that week and smashed them and all that. Did all that good stuff to them, and apparently I forgot to tighten a bolt and two to go in the B. The left front bolt decided it wanted to fall out and. Now, oh boy. ended that. So this year was kind of a redemption on that. And we always like to go down there at the end of the year. I've been going out. That was my fourth year. Uh, father-in-law, David Hilliker and all that. Uh, brother-in-law went last year. He didn't go this year. Um, but we try to, my buddy Tyler Norton, he went down this year. I think he went last year too. Um, we try to make that the kind of an end of the year deal. And we always have fun down there. Well, now, we, we, we opened up and we talked about the fact that um, we're bringing you on to kind of get your opinion because, uh, Ryan, we know you've been in the super late model scene um, for a few years. And, and as you said, a, a self-proclaimed underfunded super late model team. And I thought you'd be the perfect person to bring on because, like you said, you have had some success with a couple of wins, usually a couple wins a year. And uh, so we released this story last week about Winston and Thunderbird teaming up to bring a pro or a crate late model um, I don't want to call it a series, but a class, a division, to Michigan in 2021. And it spurred some discussion, Ryan, and there, and there were kind of two sides of the coin. Nobody was really in the middle on this discussion. Basically, the two arguments are that 
there are already too many divisions of racing in Michigan, and another one is just going to hurt car counts all across the board. And then the other argument there, which I kind of believe is where you were standing, Ryan, is that there are enough guys struggling in super late models or doing uh, really well in pro stocks or something modified that maybe would like to go to this crate late model division um, either to become competitive or to try and enhance their skills even further. Is that kind of where you're standing on this whole conversation? I mean, I'm kind of kind in the middle. I mean, it's no secret that late models are super expensive. And if, if you're going to be competitive, you got to have the money to do it. I mean, you can have the good run here and there but to run consistently week after week after week and run up front like the donas the stemlers the rusties the erics the thoroughbies all those guys to run up front with those guys you got to have the best of the best and like i said i mean you can have the good week here and there but i mean nobody wants to finish in the back or middle pack nobody wants to do that every week that stuff gets old. So, I mean, and for the guys, the crates, I mean, those can get crazy expensive out of hand too. I mean, it's all on how they want to regulate it. I mean, with the teching and all that, I don't know how because strong. Now, now where, can, where can the money, where can it get out of hand? Uh, explain that to, to the novice fan and really to, to anybody who doesn't know. If we're running a crate late model series, and this particular one, 604, 602, or a spec, uh, basically street stock engine is how they described it. If that is your cap, where are other guys kind of bending the rules or spending the money trying to outspend someone else? Where can you do that? So... The chassis, there's no limit on chassis. So you can still go out there and run the $40,000 chassis. Um, you go get a brand-new 2021 XR1, throw a brand-new crate engine in it, and you can probably have $50,000, $60,000 into a top-of-the-line, great, brand-new, everything crate lay model. And, um, and how, far, how, far off of that, how far off of that would that be, that price tag right there from, like, a super late model? I mean, the supers nowadays. I mean, they're anywhere. They're probably a hundred thousand dollars. So we're talking fifty percent. Uh, you're still at half the cost, even if estimating. Obviously, this is all estimating. Even if you went out, bought that brand spanking new six hundred four crate late model, brand new XR one, yep. you're still at half the cost of a competitive super late model. Correct. But then, I mean, you have. To, I mean, you're never going to make back the money. And like down south, some of these races. I mean, like there was one just this weekend down in Florida that uh, Mark Wetner won, it was $25,000 to win. Granted, crate late models are pretty big down there. Probably not going to have that up here. I don't. They haven't really released what they're going to race for or whatnot, but I don't see it being... You're never going to make your money back, but now you're halfway, so you're 50% of what a super cost, but you're racing for 50% less. So, I mean, you're never going to make your money back racing anyhow, unless you win every race but it helps. <laughs> Ryan, let me, let me take the, I'm going to jump on the other point of view and that's the promoter's point of view. Um, yep. I have a racetrack and I am getting seven pro stocks, 12 street stocks. I'm running seven divisions and the only count I'm getting is in my super late models. 
I need some competitive classes or I'm not going to put any fans in the seats. Um, and this is a way to do that. Yes or no? I, I don't really know whether, I mean, you're going to pull some of the guys out of the supers and you might get some of the pro stock street stocks, but I, if you can't guarantee all those, what have you really gained besides adding another class? I mean, as it is right now, and I see a lot of it, and just by racing, um, a lot of people complain about the shows going so late, and there's so many classes. I mean, a lot of tracks will run seven, eight, nine classes a night when I don't know why some of them don't put classes off, don't run them every night. So you're only running four or five a night. Then it doesn't take all night to do everything. But like I said, maybe they're not. I mean, that's how they get their fans. They so they run them all. One of your one of your comments online, Ryan. You said uh, as a as a driver, I drive a late model, and I'm one of. Uh, I'll be the last one for another class. But what I think this is intended. Again, this is your comment. Uh, are the lower budget guys in supers and the pro stuck pro truck uh, pro truck guys that can't get more than eight to twelve cars a night? Um, so, and I agree with you there, Ryan. I believe that there are only about two classes, or uh, excuse me, only two tracks that I've seen pull m- more than thirteen pro pro late mod, pro pro trucks or pro stocks, whatever you want to call them, um, and that's Crystal and Merritt. And I mean, they're right at that thirteen to fourteen mark every week. Um, do you think it's time for the state of Michigan to move on from that class and maybe really invest in this great late model division? And do you think that's what it's going to take for it to be successful? Is two tracks enough, or do we need more to buy into this? I think you need more to buy into it. Um, I think Pro Stocks is a good class. I just think it has gotten so far on the right side of the rules that it's kind of got like supers has i mean and supers is just the i mean there really is no rules as far as what you can spend but it's just got on so far right of that that guys are spending twenty thousand dollars on pro stocks or whatever and i don't think that's really what it was intended for yeah so so ryan i think that and that and that kind of my point um you can't keep divisions around that don't draw cars Okay, number one. And yep. so number two, you take these guys. I, my opinion is you you only need four or five classes. You need an entry level class. You need a budget class, an intermediate class, and then you then your high end class. You can run a program like that. You don't and, and you can put on a great show every single night and not get out of out of there, you know, at two o'clock in the morning. Right. One of, one of the arguments online right now, and I don't want to call it an argument, because I think that everybody wants our sport to succeed. Everybody wants this to go well. Uh, but how does adding another class that will have 10 cars a night help racing in Michigan? And I think that's a very big question. How does it help racing in Michigan? And this is a question, the second question here is a question I've, I've seen on my personal Facebook of drivers asking themselves, if you can't afford to race a super late model but love the sport, why is there such a pride issue, and Ryan, maybe you can shed some light onto this as a driver, with moving down to a modified or a pro stock or even a street stock where you don't have to throw $100,000 into a car? Um, and again, I'll bring up, as you said, that you, you, you believe you're a lower-funded uh, team. 
what keeps you in that late model year in and year out, knowing that, being honest, you're going to have to work very hard to beat the Brandon Thurlby's and the Eric Spangler's and the David Melkies? I think it's more, I don't know, I think it's more of a pride thing. <laughs> uh, that, that's, and fair, I mean, and fair I, enough, yeah. I mean, I, I chose this year to run Tri-City and Merritt. Even, so they went UMP this year with Mike By and everything. Um, you know you're going to have those higher-end guys. I mean, Tri-City always had a constant car count. You pretty much had the same people you were going to have every week. You knew who was going to be there or whatnot. Um, when Mike bought it, he put up a lot more money and all that, which is great and awesome for the sport and for late models and all. Because he throws a lot of money into late models. I will give him that. Yeah, um, and that's one of the things we love about Mike is he's not scared to put on a big show for the supers. No, and <laughs> if anybody knows me and Mike in our history then it goes a lot further back. It goes back to when my bought Merritt. But uh, we never, we didn't see eye to eye at the time, and we kind of put that aside. And this year, when he bought Tri-City, um, decided to race there in Merritt this year, knowing they were going to race against those better guys and the top guys that are around this area, and even Ohio with Rusty and that, and uh, – so I chose to do that knowing I'm probably not going to win. Probably not, maybe not even finish top five, but I believe racing with those guys makes you a better driver. Um, I chose, I used to race Crystal. I mean, I, I went to Crystal uh, the last three years, I think it was. And I mean, I did pretty well over there. And I think even the two times I went over this year, I went over there and ran top five. So, I mean, I could go over there and run, top five if I want to but it's not as gratifying for me I mean not to take any away from those guys over there but you just have higher dollar teams over here better equipment it's you're racing better teams you're racing better I don't know how to put it without sounding bad but well, and I think I, I, I think that you know it's no secret that that cherry picking, as it's been called, is is a thing that happens. You try to you know some guys will try to choose a racetrack that they'll go to that they think they can win, while as you said, others will go where they think they can learn. Um, and, and here's another question for you, and this is the one that has been most concerning to me. In the state of Michigan specifically, we already kind of have two divisions of super late models. Uh, you have the, of course, dirt car UMP late models, which are, uh, you know, sanctioned basically across the entire United States. And then you have what I call the Michigan late models, which is basically a dirt car UMP late model on American racer tires. That already naturally kind of pulls the late model division apart a little bit. Are you concerned at all that the pro stock or the uh, excuse me the uh, pro late model division will further break up super late models in, in the state of Michigan? And if so, is it a concern or is it something that you think maybe needs to happen for the some of those even more underfunded teams? Uh, I think, I mean, it's probably. I mean, you go to the the UMP late models and the Michigan late models or whatever you want to call them. That thing's a whole tire debate because the only thing different there is tires. Um, right. 
and we could talk all night about that. <laughs> As um, we have with other guests on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a touchy subject, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we don't. We don't. We're, we, yeah, you don't need to get into that if you don't want to, Ryan. We uh, we understand. But yeah, so I guess the question is because we know there are some guys that that uh, some drivers, excuse me, that refuse to put on a set of Hoosier racing tires to go anywhere that's UMP sanctioned, and vice versa. There are some guys that refuse to put on American racers, and so that pulls the class apart. I guess the baseline question is, do you think that this is this crate division is going to hurt late model racing in Michigan? I mean, you're going to take, I don't think, I mean, I don't think it's going to hurt the late models because I mean, you might take some of the. The, the true, the, yeah, the true back markers that are never going to win. If, if we're being honest about it. Right. So, I mean, you're taking a few of them. I mean, people call them field fillers or whatnot. I mean, sometimes I get called it. So, is what it is but i mean you're going to take some of those and maybe some of the pro stocks or street stocks or anybody that wants to get into it really i mean but i don't see some of the top guys going into it. you're not going to lose them i mean i don't really see it hurting so you might not have 25 late models now you have 20 but really you're not so you still believe you'll see full fields you're not taking away from the show do you believe that you'll still see full fields in those two super late model classes? Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Rich. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I just think, you know, I, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm looking at it from a whole different direction. Um, you know, going back to what I commented before Ryan about, you know, the classes that, that aren't performing at the racetrack that aren't coming in the gate. Um, yep. You, I, I think if you're going to, if you get eight cars in a class, a promoter cannot afford to keep that class and you have to get rid of it. That's his business. Um, right. And, 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 yep, and on the other end of it, I don't think that these, a lot of these new pro crate late model teams are going to be going to spend $50,000. I think they're going to be getting these hand-me-down cars from the late model guys and working with those that they can get at a whole lot better price. That's right. my opinion how it's going to work, and I think that's how it should work. Right. On that, I just – I mean, it's, it's kind of like Supers. You're going to have the one, two, three guys maybe, I mean, maybe, that go out and spend the money, and they're going to dominate the class is how it's going to go. But that, that's part of it. I mean, that's – What would be your suggestion to curve that? How would you curve that? What that? How would you make that not? I mean, is there any way to make that not happen? No, I mean it's racing. Okay, well, that, <laughs> I mean, and that, and that's perfect. That's a very fair statement. I was talking about this the other day, Ryan. Uh, we were talking about the old bomber division that used to race, right? Where it was a bone stock rear wheel drive car that all you could do was safety updates. And I said, well, front yep. wheel front wheel drives was supposed to replace that, but they found a way to make that astronomically expensive as well. So your comment about it's racing. Man, it's funny how that applies to every single division. Even even the mini wedges, I hear parents talking about how much money they got to spend to run, run those things. I know. I got a uh, – he's about to be five, and I keep hearing, Dad, I want a mini wedge when I'm six. <laughs> and I keep looking at him, and I'm like, man, I, ugh, I'd rather put you on a four-cylinder just because they're almost probably cheaper. So it doesn't matter what we do, what a track promoter does, uh, even the most strict rule book 
Because here's what you don't want to do, Ryan. You don't want to rule book yourself out of a division. So it doesn't matter what you do. You're the problem, sti- you're sti- here's the problem with the rule book. you got to have people that enforce it. Okay. I mean, there can be rules on a computer that everybody's supposed to go by, but who's really going to enforce it? Who's going to enforce that those crate motors are sealed correctly? So the tech program has to be with- very tight. It needs to be yes, and and like like they and, and like I saw that they announced Ryan um, a two hundred dollar claim roll on a shock. I know you don't run two hundred dollar shocks. I know any of the guys in the supers don't run two hundred dollar shocks. So I was just wondering if that was two hundred dollars for all of them or two hundred for one. <laughs> well, I, I would like. I mean, either well, either way. Um, I mean, that makes a big difference. But it should, you know, I mean, that you're not going to even if it's for one shock, you're not going to. You know, have a thousand dollar shock built, fifteen hundred dollar shock built for one corner of the car. If somebody can claim it for two hundred dollars, right? That part of it, yes, that will keep people honest. But just with the motor thing and all that, I don't know how strict that's going to be enforced and whatnot. I mean, if it is, great. That keeps everybody honest. But I mean, it's racing. Ryan, as as we come as we come to a close here, I want to ask you probably another straightforward question as we get close to the end. Do you and, and again, this is your opinion, and you know, answer how you how you feel comfortable. Do you believe that this division next year can be successful between these two Muskegon area tracks? I think it can be, um, whether or not. I mean, what's, what's the determining factor on successful? Well, and that's a great question is, is right now, I feel like as a former driver and rich, you can weigh in on this as well as a former driver, Ryan, I'm sitting here going, man, I don't want to be one of six guys that go out and spends a whole bunch of money on a pro late model. And then me and five other guys show up and they go, well, we tried, sorry. Um, go find somewhere else to race. Right. I don't and believe, I and I don't believe that. I don't believe for a second that Dean or Tom would do that. I know that they're better promoters than that, but I think in the back of your mind, as a racer, you got to wonder, man, I don't want to spend all this money and then be stuck with this race car. So there was that crate late model series that was supposed to start this year, and I don't know that much about it. I just know between like New Orleans Speedway, and they had some tracks down there or whatnot. I don't know how many guys that they had committed to doing that. So maybe they're running off of that and they're kind of, maybe they know more than we know, but I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I don't want to go out and spend twenty, thirty thousand $30,000 on something that I don't even know is going to take off next year. So would you be um, interested? In, so there's another good question and Rich, I'm sorry. Would this, would this be something that you'd be interested in looking into after you saw it go for a year? Uh, maybe if it came to this side of the state. <laughs> sure. Yeah, and that's a um, that's a valid point, right? We got two tracks that are exclusive on one side. Yeah, those tracks are both two and a half, three hours away for me. So I mean, they're honestly not feasible on Friday, and then Saturday. Who knows? I mean, it all depends on payouts and all that, and you never know. And in, in my opinion, Ryan, on, on the question Zach asked. What makes for, for makes for a, for a successful class? Car counts and competitive racing. If you have those, you have a successful class. 
flat out. It doesn't it if you have you you know you're going to have a season of building it. You have to invest. Right. Right. So, right. So, you know we know that with the you know on the pavement side with the with the uh, junior late models for Champion Racing Association. They they knew they had to start with eight cars. Right. They knew that they weren't going to just jump into 25 cars their first season. This year right. they had 50 percent more cars, and so you have to be able to take that. Um, let's say hit for a season or two, and then you'll see them grow. You know what I mean? So let, let's talk right. about that. Let's talk about that, Ryan. What what is the number? What's the magic number for you? What would you like to see in 2021 out of this class? Are we talking if they get five cars, that's great. Fifteen cars, twenty five cars. What are you What are you hoping to see as, as a fan of Michigan racing to see them be successful? I think you got to at least have more than ten. Otherwise, it's just a big heat race all night long. And I don't think anybody really wants to watch that. I mean, and I know it's it's, it's being new, so I mean you're going to have buildings. So I don't know how you base that off the first year? Um, you almost like you guys said, you almost got to run it more than a couple of years just to see if it grows. So I mean, more than ten for me. Um, Rich, what would you like to see? Yeah, you know, yeah, more than 10, 12. And I, and I think you may have those built in already. You may have your five or six guys, unfortunately, uh, that can't compete on the super with the supers, with the big guys, uh, with the heavy hitters in Michigan. And now with the same car they have, they can drop down to this crate late model. And now they can run up front that when they haven't been in a very long time yeah. because they're they're sneaking in the back of field. I think that's a good thing. The you get the other half of the cars from the prolates or from the prolate or uh, pro pro stocks and from the street stocks, and they don't have they can do this and not have to and they can get into a a affordable late model without having to spend a hundred thousand dollars. It's hard to say affordable and late model in the same sentence. Um, and, and yeah, I could hardly spit it out myself. <laughs> and I agree uh, to close. I agree that you got to have 12 to 15 uh, for it to be good. Of course, as Rich alluded to right. junior late models, every once in a while, six, eight cars to build the class. Fine. You're going to have a night like that every now and then. But I think for the most part, you got to have 12 to 15 for it to be successful. Uh, Ryan, as we get ready to close here, any closing thoughts that you'd like to, you know, hit on on this crate late model discussion as we move forward to 2021? I know there are a lot of folks that are excited about it. We've been pretty critical of it tonight, but I think the reason we're critical of it, Ryan, is because we're nervous. We want it to succeed, but we don't want it to be the downfall of a couple of nice racetracks. Right. No, I, I hope it. I hope it works out, and I hope it doesn't take from the supers. And I hope they both work out. Um, I think it'll be good. Well, Ryan, we appreciate you joining us tonight and sharing your expertise. Um, and I do want to say, on behalf of Rich, congratulations on a. Uh, I know you said it wasn't one of your more successful years, but hey, you got to get in a, quite a few races this year in a year that was just so completely upside down. Uh, so congratulations on that. And, uh, hey, we look forward to seeing what you can do in 2021. Maybe it even includes building a second car and putting a crate engine in it. <laughs> well, Ryan, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for your time, and uh, uh, good luck with the off season. Enjoy your time off, and we'll see you next year. Thanks, guys. Well, and again, thanks to Ryan for joining us. And, and Rich, here's the thing that we didn't talk to. We, I teased Ryan about this, but here's my question to you. Do you think we'll see, and and the first example we already know, do you think we'll see a Rusty Schlenk? Do we think we'll see a Brandon Thurlby? 
maybe a Colin Thurlby, build two cars next year, and maybe a Donomar Coolier uh, being right there in Muskegon, have a supercar and a pro car to run? I think some guys might do it. I don't think you're going to see as many. I mean, they're running too many races as it is. They don't uh, – they're not going to want to go – it depends what the pay is. They're not going to make that pay so high – where they're right. going to bring the super guys over to build whole brand new cars just to come over and run for six or $700. That's not going to happen. Well, and, and we already not- saw last week, we saw Eric Spangler share to his racing page, hey, for you guys that want to build a pro late model, here's a 2013 chassis. So how many chassis do you think get pulled out of the weeds to do this? I, I think what, Zach, you, you know, these guys go and get and build brand new chassis every year, every other year. <laughs> and, and, and these things are steals when they sell them, yeah. you know, for what, for what they're unloading, the, a, a 2013 chassis from Spangler, uh, a 2016 chassis from Dona Marcoulier. Those are steals based on what they cost when they were brand new. Right. That's what they're looking for. That is my opinion, what they're looking for in this new pro late class. You do that with a spec crate motor that is a fixed cost and you put it together with a $200 shot claim rule mm-hmm. and you've lowered the cost of those cars significantly. And, and, and Ryan brought up a fantastic point, And that is you have to have someone who will be dedicated to making sure that those are still sealed engines, right? That the seal has not been broken and that it's true to the rules Otherwise, this thing is just going to get out of hand, and we're going to have two divisions of super late models that are separated by, by just on how you register or, or if you qualify two-tenths of a second off the pace. Well, that's that's absolutely the other side of it. You have the driver's side, then you have the, the promoter's side. They have to have the staff to make sure that these are staying legal, and you would think that if they're putting a brand new class in there and they're, they're going to be all over it for, for a while to make sure that people understand, you would think, well, and that's the thing is, are you all over it or, or do you just go, well, we want you, we need you to feel, fill the field. So we're going to let, we're going to turn a blind eye to that. No, no. I, I, I think you, I mean, what you start with depends on your character, you know? And so if you start out by allowing certain things to go away, well, well, now, now anybody can do it, and now, now, now the class becomes a joke. Now okay? it's out of control. Honestly. So you you need to start out with a heavy hand and continue that, and say this is the class that you get to run. No, it's not a super late model. No, you can't run this car, and and you may have to tell people to load up if they will try showing up with something or put them um, or put them because Winston, we didn't talk about this. Winston is keeping. The super late model class. I don't know if Thunderbird has confirmed that, but Winston confirmed they're keeping the super late model class. So if you got a guy that's bending the rules, boom, move him up, move him up to the super yep. class, and there you're done with it. Yep, you can't run the crate last in class tonight, but you sure can run with the supers. Uh, have fun with them. Right. That's what you get. That's what you get for trying to cheat. You know. And then, um, you know, then then the Ryan Vanderbeens of the world will show you the way to go. So, <laughs> you know what I mean. So yeah, I mean. It, this everybody has to be on board. The teams that want to get involved in this have to be on board uh, with trying to grow a new class. The promoters have to be on board to enforce the new class and the fans have to be on board to pay the tickets to come see the new class. So it's not just, it's not just one aspect, Zach, it's, it's all across the board. Well, I know that I would love to see it be successful. I am nervous. I'll give you that. I'm nervous about it right now. Um, but I, I think it's got 
Kevin Reeve, when he was a co-host of this show, when it initially started, was all about it. Get rid of Michigan late models, bring in crate late models, and just be two divisions, excuse me, two divisions, and be done with it. Um, and so it's taken three years, but I think maybe we might be headed in that direction, Rich. Um, because, again, this pro late model class is on an American racer tire, so maybe we see that Michigan late model, air quotes, division dissolve, and we see your crystals and your I-96s pick up this pro late model class instead. What you do is you, you know, Ryan touched on it, and we knew this before. The pro, the, the, the pro late model crate class in the South is huge. It's very popular in the South. So if you're a promoter up in Michigan, what you need to do is go down to one of those racetracks for a night and talk to those promoters and, and find out how they do it. How do they grow it? Because we know Rusty Schlenk went down there. He's got a pro, he's got a crate car and he went down there and they had 18 cars in that class at the racetrack that he went to one right. night. So they're very popular in the South. Find out how they're doing it and mimic it because they're doing something right down there with it and it's real popular. So final thoughts on this discussion, Rich. Do you believe, honest opinion, that this class in 2021 will be successful? I think it takes more than 2021, Zach. Like we said, you have to start with a certain number of cars and take a beating the first year, but it needs to grow. It, you gotta be on a two or three year plan to find out what's gonna happen. If it's not gonna grow by year three, then maybe you look at another direction. But I am not interested in going to watch Pro Truck or Postdoc run an eight car nine car feature i'm not interested in that all right well we hope it does become successful again the whole details are on our website at horsepowerhappenings.com read the article get the full rundown from the folks at winston and thunderbird thanks so much to ryan for joining us tonight for rich france i'm zach heiser have a great monday we'll talk next week you've been listening to horsepower happenings catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.